So I don't think that it would be far-fetched at all for me to say that there's a wide acceptance of the fact that in every way imaginable that we can think of, we're essentially living within a system, right? I mean, that's not far-fetched. Now, what I'm going to discuss in depth is the notion that we both need the system that we have established for ourselves, but in order to grow as individuals, it is important to rail against it at the same time. So I'll explain what exactly I'm talking about. First of all, I like to talk about something called the Enlightenment or the Enlightenment Project. Now, the Enlightenment Project, if researched, could have different meanings and is in some cases up, uh, open to interpretation. However, it all resolved under one ideal premise, and that was that the Enlightenment was a loosely organized activity of European thinkers and philosophers in the 17th and 18th century, where they encouraged people to be more and more self-aware and to strive for perfection. Now, the idea behind striving for perfection is that nobody can ever achieve it, but that's the premise of all this. The idea that you can strive for perfection is in of itself the progression towards perfection and the idea of perfection. Immanuel Kant, who was the leader of this forward-looking think group, proposed that the purpose of the Enlightenment was the ability to stand up to what the system has told you and to have the ability to gain enough courage and balls to use your own reasoning. And this couldn't be more true now in this modern time than ever before. And the reason I stress it's important is because we are currently living in a time where we tend to believe what different forms of media tell us all the time. We believe what lawmakers and politicians and businessmen tell us all the time as well. But has it ever come to the thought of anybody that these people could be using their credibility for exactly the opposite of its purpose, which is that they use their initial honest reputation to then lie and deceive later down the road? But because of the fact that they've been believed for you know such a long period of time, to be truthful and honest, they will use that to their advantage, and they'll use it knowingly. And so that type of behavior literally props up and creates a very unstable foundation for society. Now, it could be argued that society and the system we live in is only as stable as we allow it to be, and as we believe it to be. But to that I say this, what happens when the ideas of things like the Enlightenment Project come to fruition in this modern era? I mean, if we look at it perspectively, Donald Trump has created this cult-like movement of believing that whatever the mainstream media says is fake. And even though he was initially onto something, believe it or not, four or five years ago during his campaign, he has now destroyed whatever validity he once had to it. Because the premise of his message made sense initially, which was question everything. But it went from question everything to believe in nothing. And so that's where his movement lost all basis in power. And the same goes for other methods that have been used by the Democratic Party. So please don't think I'm calling out any one particular movement against the other here. Now, the Enlightenment actually provides us with insight as to what could be coming for us in today's day and age. And in a lot of cases, it's already predicted things that have already come in the recent past. And so the, a prime example of that would be the moderate versus the radical form of thinking. Now, that kind of thinking can take on many forms, but... The idea behind all of this is that there must be a shared commitment to reason. There is no cure-all or end-all way of thinking. It's like if you're walking down a path in this case, but there isn't one particular path to walk down, but instead there's a bunch of different paths. 
people need to understand that instead of choosing to just walk down one path, which is what most people tend to do, we need to realize that when we step back and look at all the paths, we'll see that they all merge into one big one. Yet people's self-awareness must be more broadened in order for them to realize this, which is why whether you're debating about politics or economics or what have you, the division between these opposing parties is what creates the chaos. Now, I'm not saying that we should all come together and sing songs and go kumbaya by the fire, not even close, but we must be willing to ex- uh, accept one another's ideas and propositions, even if we don't agree with them to its full extent. Because if we do this, then that will lead to a force to be reckoned with, I assure you, because you will have opposite ends of the spectrum collaborating, and when you have that, you not only evolve quicker, but you become more self-aware. You become more self-aware in ways that you probably didn't imagine initially. So something else that is worth noting is that one of the ideas behind the Enlightenment is that the acceptance of religion as a whole, or science as a whole, is again, just like going down a one-way path. Because science is ever-evolving, and just like religion, there really is no endpoint. It's it's a journey of sorts. Now, you're probably thinking, what does this have to do with what I said at the beginning of this episode? And that is that we must accept all aspects of the system that we live in, but we must also fight against it intellectually, because God knows how many people are actively trying to destroy it as well. I mean, the system we have built for ourselves works in so many beneficial ways, but it fails in so many other ways as well. The system is an uncompleted project of sorts, and just like science or religion, the joy is in the journey of it. And so we must keep revising and editing until we get as close to perfection as possible, which is why if you remember I said earlier that it is in the progress of perfection that this concept holds truth, whether we like it or not, or whether we realize it or not. Now, we also have to take the good with the bad. We have to come to grips with the concept that regardless of what others will have you believe, wherever there is bad, there is good. And this is more relevant now than ever before. Why? Because the statues of Christopher Columbus being torn down due to his involvement in the slave trade has been widely disapproved by many cultures and many races whom are not of Caucasian descent, and who are also of Caucasian descent. And I can most definitely, I can understand that. I mean, you know, that's understandable. But we also must accept that every statue in the world can pe- it can actually be torn down of him, but we cannot tear Christopher Columbus down from the history books. Something else that is as equally as important is that people can criticize and talk shit about the Enlightenment project and their philosophies as much as they want, but what these people have so blatantly neglected is the very fact that the same voice they are using to propel and project their way of thinking to the world, which they have the right to do, is literally based on the very social and philosophical framework that came out of the Enlightenment project. So critics are speaking with the same platform and foundation that the Enlightenment created, And for people to not accept this would be like people not accepting the law of gravity, right? You're living in it every day, and a lot of your freedom and social existence is based on it. So you have the right to talk trash about it, absolutely, but just like Christopher Columbus, you cannot escape the fact that it happened. And so this again goes back to my point of, in everything beautiful that comes into fruition in life, there will be treachery. It's like when we went through the scientific revolution many years ago. It was an era of great progress. However, it also brought us nuclear weapons that can fucking overheat our icebergs and threaten our very existence. But, 
I'm also talking about the same scientific revolution that provided us the tools to record damage and restart a lot of things biologically as well. Again, with good comes bad, with bad comes good. What I also find very intriguing about this whole idea behind the Enlightenment is that Kant theorizes that the science behind nature is not the knowledge of what in fact happens, but it is rather, rather the knowledge of what has to happen. And so this entire philosophy can be brought to what's happening currently in almost every climate that we address it to. So in theory, if we for one second accept this type of philosophy, we can then come to try to understand that what is happening in the nature of human beings at this very moment, whether it's the virus or the riots or whatever the fuck, is something that in fact has to happen rather than just the fact of it happening. And so there's a stark difference and it, it really provides insight. It really does. Now, now get this, Kant theorizes that because everything we know in theory stems from the fact that we are self-aware of the most basic form of whatever we're aware of in the human mind, we can essentially conclude and accept the fact that it, it is happening because it must, okay? Because it is part of the evolution within its own nature, whether that's culturally, uh, socially, scientifically, mathematically, or however. We only know objects and motives as they appear to us, but not as they are in their most basic fundamental form. Now, if you've been following what I've been saying so far, then this is really something to think about. And a lot of times we can only predict things because of experience, right? I mean, how else would we predict things? It's based off of experience. Well, experience shows us at best what in fact happens, but not what must happen. And part of the entire idea of the Enlightenment is that by realizing this, you therefore become more self-aware. Now, all of this can be applied to the current system we live in because we've built the system on experience and we've used experience and facts to justify the means of instituting laws, which is a good thing. But the question then becomes, what are the basic forms of all these things? Right? Then you're talking about a very different debate in and of itself. And I mention this because if we can ultimately conclude or come to the understanding the most basic, uh, of the most basic forms of things and how they are rather than how they must be, we can then use that as a foundation to ultimately create a better system in every way and almost get rid of the opinions of news reports and things that are constantly transmitted through the channels of social media. It must also be understood that human reason does not in any way provide a concrete enough foundation for which laws are made and created. I mean, it provides a foundation, but not a strong one. And based on that premise alone, laws, institutions, and governments can be overthrown. And in some cases, rightfully so. Because a man's power is only as strong as the amount of other men in which are willing to follow and believe in it, Right? And that if no one follows and believe in, believes in a certain uh, leader's power, then does he really have power? And that is the system that we have laid for ourselves right now, which is why overthrowing certain laws and institutions can actually be a very negative thing as well. And this ultimately goes back to my point of, again, taking the good with the bad. So for as much as this modern generation of even which myself am a part of uh, wants to create some kind of system of equality, which my generation does in every aspect and you know my generation they want to make things as perfect as possible it's never going to happen we can try but we'll never get there and i think that this must not be forgotten in both literal and figurative senses of things because we cannot underestimate the power of human ambition but at the same time 
we must also think about which direction that that particular ambition is being used in and what it is being used towards.